Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. And welcome to this. It is the second instalment of, well, what's the World, Cl- World Cup run that we're doing, Phil? Uh, yes, I guess so. Uh, and it's the second attempt at the second instalment of the World Cup run after a, an aborted start. After a quick cough. A quick cough. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to stop saying second, third. I'm going to lose count. We've got are, many, many podcasts to do. I can't wait. We are going to watch a lot of rugby and hopefully record a lot of podcasts. Well, something interesting happened yesterday in the world of rugby. <laughs> Is this not going to be related to the World Cup? I can do what I want. Tim's in France. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we played Warrington yesterday. Tokich played Warrington. Down by, I don't know, 16 to 19 points. Yours truly on the bench. Scrums aren't going well. Guess what happened? I, I think I've heard this story before. I think you have. About, um, about, five, uh, about ten hours ago. Yeah, well, ten hours ago, and many, many times where you, um, you've been in a similar situation, and JB has come on to save the day. Do you know what? You, I only had two scrums, but it all, that's all it took to not just steady the set piece, but steady the nerves of my teammates <laughs> to then score 50-odd points. Uh, Broughton Park lost to... West Park St Helens, go on Arnie. <laughs> yes. Well done Arnie. Arnie. Yes, good lad. What a guy. Great lad. Um, Marlow uh, Marlo lost, uh, sadly. T- Cocker's Tim- beloved yeah. Marlow. But Aylesbury did win. Oh, fantastic news. Thank God. That is wonderful news. It's nice, isn't it? Two, two out of three of us support Aylesbury. <laughs> and one of us supports Marlow for inexplicable reasons. Who everyone else hates. Everybody hates Marlow, except for Tim. <laughs> so, I don't know. Do what he wants. Uh, in the same way that I can do what I what I want because he is uh, in France. So <laughs> we'll get back onto more interesting rugby after we've covered off c- covered off this the small tournament in France. What did you see yesterday, except for England? We'll talk about England in detail. But what did you see yesterday? So I watched pretty much the whole of Italy Namibia. Oh, okay. So now that, that was very one sided. Probably more one sided than I expected. I, I kind of thought looking at the scores, Namibia might have fired a shot. They didn't. They started okay. It was 8-5 at one point, or 8-7 at one point. Um, but after that, you could see the conditioning of Namibia wasn't as good. And Italy, are they're a good team. They're well-drilled. They're spreading, spreading the ball wide in the second half beautifully. And they had a much more powerful rolling mall, which led to, I think, the first or second Italian try and subsequent yellow cards for Namibia. So it, it was. There is a gap. There's quite a big gap between those te- well, two teams. Just whisper it. Whisper it very quietly. But I'm reading that Italian team. I'm looking at their Six Nations performances. And I'm thinking, 
do you know what? This is one of the few times when you look at the Italian team, you think that's a big name, that's a big name, that's a classy player. I mean, you know, maybe Stephen Varney isn't a top end scrum half, and maybe that's putting it mildly, but he does a good job for them. And Garbisi He's, is a top class ten. Yeah, Garbisi is a great ten. Var- Varney's a very serviceable nine who does have a lovely turn of pace. Yeah, that's true. Um, and he's he's got to play some relatively simple tactics because he's got two um, excellent kickers and controllers of the ball in the back line in Tommaso Allen and Garbisi. Mm-hmm. And they mix those around. So Tommaso Allen started at 15. Yep. Tommaso Allen then moved to 10 and Garbisi moved out to 12. 12. And Capuozzo moved to 15 and Bruno came onto the wing and Doggers, Paolo Doggu, yep. came on, scored a nice try at the end um, and he looked a handful because he's... Because he is a handful. He's, yeah, he's... I mean, apparently that'll be why. He's 100kg or so, but not particularly tall. He's more tall. than 100kg. Well, he's not very tall. He's huge. But he, he, is, he is... He's short. He's very he's short. huge. He's... Just very, he's very explosive, very wide uh, stance and low centre of gravity. So uh, this this is Italy team. Can they trouble France or New Zealand? Maybe New Zealand, not maybe. France. Well, they they only narrowly lost to France this year. Well, you've read Soconomics. Yes. One of the interesting things in Soconomics is when it describes football teams and aside from the money that they spend, they point out that it's about are your three best players better than the opposition's three best players? Now, with it being a 15-man game, obviously rugby's different to football, so maybe it might be your four best players. Oh, yeah, f- four, five, six. And also influential players as well, I guess. There's no point in having the world's best winger in a team that can't pass a ball or some such thing. Yeah, and I also think there is a... like Football is more individuals. There is a team element to it, but it, the individuals are more important than in rugby. Like It doesn't matter. You could have the um, seven best players in the world in a back line. But if your pack's getting pumped, yeah, it's I, totally irrelevant. And I guess there are some positions where it is more individual than others. Tight head prop would be one. Your tight head prop is an absolute monster. That is actually an individual that makes a huge impact on a game. Uh, yes. Um, although, again, if you've got a great tight head prop... But you've nothing got, behind him. Yeah, lightweight yeah. Um, second row, back row. You've not got a tight head lock or indeed a tight head eight. So where I was going with this is... Italy have got some pieces now, which are not maybe the absolute best in the world, but they could, man for man, be better than their opposition. Capuazzo would be one. He's a unique talent. He is. One of the best finishers in, in the world game at the moment. Monteiwani's brilliant. Monteiwani. As well. And the centre combination, Maurici and Brex, very, very solid. They hit hard. Garbisi's excellent. Um, their back row is excellent. Legitimately yes, excellent. Yes, that's what, where I was going next. Canone is superb. Lamaro is superb. Um, Negri's enormous and very, very strong. And the boy Zuliani, who came off the bench and scored a lovely try, albeit a bad missed tackle from the Namibian 10, he looked lively as well. So they've, they've got options in lots and lots of positions. Yeah, it's now, good. we shouldn't get over um, ahead of ourselves because this was only Namibia. Yeah. And Namibia will be lucky to get um, a losing bonus point at any stage in the tournament. But it's a, it's a good Italian team that can trouble perhaps not win, but trouble the bigger teams. Although they, they do have to play, it's Uruguay as the other team in that group, isn't it? And I really like Uruguay. We've not seen them yet, but uh, keep your eye on them. Yep. Now, I'm going to link... Uh, I'm going to link Italy 
to Argentina and we'll come back to Australia at the end because everything you were saying then about the back row for Italy is basically the same as the back row for Argentina. Big, abrasive, um, can really play, probably some of the best players in that, in that position. Maybe not absolutely the best players, but certainly in certain, um, from certain angles, they're, they're very, very good. Oh, hang on a minute. We're joined by Rugby Royalty. Hold tight, please, Phil. Pocker, how are you? Um, I'm, it's like I'm in a sweat lodge. People pay thousands of pounds to go like to the California desert and sit and sweat. I'm in a van outside the Stad Velodrome in Marseille, absolutely sweating uh, <laughs> buckets right here, just so I can speak to you. Well done. Oh, God, is it? Isn't he humble? <laughs> so humble on the trip of a lifetime, and he's doing this for us. Thank you, Tim. We appreciate it. Tim. Don't we just? Wow. No, it's it's, oh, it's abs- uh, do you know what? it's absolutely awesome. So yeah, I, I slept in the car park of the stadium last night. Amazing. <laughs> well, there, there Have was, you ever heard there, Adam Carolla's rich man connected to the stadium Wi-Fi? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard Adam Carolla's rich man poor man? Yes, I love it. So, do you know what rich man poor man is, Tim? No, I don't. Problems that rich people have and very poor people have, or activities. Yeah, it's things that only the ultra-rich or (laughs) ultra-poor, like, for example, uh, travel by boat. (laughs) Travel by boat. Or eat eat something you've killed. Yeah, hunt your own food. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hang around all day in dressing gowns. Drive 50-year-old cars. Yes, yeah, drive cars which are much, much too old. (laughs) I'm going to put sleeping in stadium car parks (laughs) as a rich man, rich man, poor man. (laughs) Yes. Um, Tim, you have have arrived at the perfect moment. So Jamie and I started this about, I don't know, 15 minutes ago. Do you want to... We have already covered off... Um, northwest, um, and in, indeed, most some of, of the northwest, most most of English uh, lower level rugby, lower tier rugby, and we've covered off Italy versus Namibia, and we were just about to start. JB was just taking some tentative steps towards the big game last night. By he was going to give us a comparison between Italy and Argentina to introduce us to that dynamic. Uh, yeah. Now, before I go on, it's only right. For you and the listeners, do you want me to recap on any of the local rugby, Tim? No, no, it's fine. Cov beat Saracens, that's that's the one thing I've heard. Oh, God, yeah, there's, there's Premiership Cup on. Oh, God, <laughs> what a weekend. Um, we'll hey. be going through that in detail, of course. <laughs> I'm not surprised that JB has been avoiding... Uh, what was it? Well, I don't know. So I would just jump straight in and go... I w- there seems to be a slight difference between the general thrust of what people felt watching England... Uh, on the telly, uh-huh. pleased with the win, but still not pleased with the performance. And everyone coming out of that stadium, I don't know whether it was the atmosphere, the whole, well, the the day spent getting well hydrated down on the port, but everyone seemed absolutely, like, really happy with that. Well, how did you feel, Phil? Um, happy. Um, I was impressed with the way that England um, kind of fronted up after the red card. And the way that they pressurised Argentina and very, very happy with the way that George Ford controlled the game in in numerous areas, controlled the overall kicking game, controlled the scoreboard and just kept, one way or another, just kept the scoreboard ticking over with a... Did did Ford have a perfect kick? um, He missed at least one. Well, Elliot Daly missed two, Two. didn't he? Did Ford miss one? Um, but near perfect um, game off the stick. So I, 
I was very happy. And this, this is a very good Argentina team who've had some incredible wins in the past couple of years and have got, as J- I think JB was going to come on to say, some very good, very experienced and great combinations right across the team. And they were put under a lot of pressure. I disagree with the pressure, Paul. I mean, I do and I don't. So in open play, they weren't put, up, put, put under pressure. But they were territorially. So open play, no, because England hardly ran the ball. Yeah. Uh, England played a very, very simple game plan. They kicked a lot. They threw men into the breakdown, made it a good contest. And they kicked a lot, both box kicks and um, kind of kicking tennis, and generally won the majority of those, the, the rook battles and the kicking battles. And that's what created the pressure on Argentina. Yes, I agree with that. I, I don't think they created any pressure defensively, really. They had some, some they turnovers. They yeah. didn't need to, because what was frustrating, because I was watching this as a, as a neutral. No, I wanted England to lose. Uh, be, be, <laughs> make no mistake about that. I don't want England to lose because I want English fans to be miserable or to teach England a lesson. I want them to lose because I want the RFU to lose their job. I want English rugby to be saved from itself, and the only way that that happens is if England go out in the group stages. I don't want England... To go out in the you know in that bitter sort of tribal way that people do. Far from it. I want them to be great, but they won't do it under this administration. So before anyone says anything else, that that is my stance. Yeah. So from a neutral's point of view, it was very frustrating because Argentina are a wonderful team of ball in hand, and they were tearing chunks out of England, but they weren't given the opportunity really to get going either by the referee, by their own mistakes, which are bloody brain dead I mean it was just poor it was just poor what, what they were doing and lastly by England who did a really good job of just stopping everyone playing rugby and also very put them in that order I put it in the reverse order they weren't able to do what, what they wanted because of England because of their own mistakes and then you could maybe throw the referee on, in on top but it was, it's, it's well, quite revealing that you put that one first it's not revealing at all it, it's revealing that that's what I watched so if you think about it Hang on. Would it be revealing if I said the opposite? Would it be revealing if um, I yeah, said... Yeah, it would, be, it, would, it would be that you're putting what would the, I be revealing? the things that were most influential first. Yeah, but Not what would it be revealing? Well, I would think it would reveal a more unbiased, fair assessment of the match. Hang on. So it only is revealing if I agree with you, because that would be, that'd be the right thing. But if I say it the other way, it somehow is revealing that I'm biased. Anyway, well, I, I think when well, we can talk about refereeing decisions uh, and uh, and the whys and wherefores, but I don't like putting that first. You know, we, we talk about it all the time. There's no single point of failure, and there's well, there's not. I just gave more, you three. There's a lot more that England. There's a lot more that Argentina could have controlled and didn't before you even need to venture into talking about any refereeing decision. Well, I mean, I'm not going to put it on the referee per se. I say refereeing decisions. I think more accurately is. Argentina's lack of ability to identify what the referee wanted. I think that's probably a better way to put it. And that's why it was brain dead. So there were so many mistakes. And I'm talking not about pressurised mistakes, where you throw the ball into touch or, you know, or you know, you get smashed in the contact and you drop the ball or things like that. I'm talking about things like they were going to deck and just dropping the ball. They just really, really basic things. And I don't know what their preparation was like, but they didn't look like a team that, that were ready. And if they could have capitalised well, on the game in the last month, and it was against Spain, yeah, is, is that all they've had? I mean, they've had the rugby championship. Yeah, the rugby championship. I think so. Yeah, yeah, they had the rugby championship. They might have had one other game, but they, they, I, I flagged it a few weeks ago that they, 
there's a risk that they'd come in undercooked because their most recent game and only one for certainly at least three weeks, possibly longer, was a, a 50-point hammering of Spain, mm. who are not preparing for a World Cup at a very different stage. But then the counter-argument to that is Argentina had three months locked in hotel rooms yeah. and beat uh, New Zealand away. Of, yes. Albeit, uh, I think it was in Australia. In Australia. But, yeah. So that's not really an excuse for Argentina. It's, yeah. I, I, you made a good point, JB. Failing, it's not an excuse. Failing to identify what um, Garces was looking for. Yeah. Like, um, sorry, um, yeah. Mat- Matthew, they, they were, they were Matthew They were absolutely woeful. Yeah. And how, how much of that is... You know, what's, what's your per- perception from the stadium, Tim? How much of that was Argentina just getting it wrong? And how much of that was England putting them under pressure for lots of different reasons, some of which was the the simplistic but well-executed game plan that England employed? Yeah, I, I mean, I think a massive amount of it was England. Like, there's no, there's no question the mistakes, the errors, and then they started try, trying too hard and it just got worse and compounded itself. But that all stems from the pressure that England applied through a tactical kicking game. I thought Alex Mitchell's, I know it's boring to talk about, but his box kicking was brilliant. We, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't think it is. I don't, I don't think, think it's boring, boring at all. I think tactical kicking when it's employed yeah. well is fantastic. Yeah. I had this conversation yeah, with some... So England's tactical kicking from nine and 10 was brilliant. I thought that they threw men into the breakdown, as you said, Phil, and like I haven't heard an England crowd singing Umaruitoji for a long time, and they did that a number of times because he was a menace at the breakdown. I thought that ben was, Earl was an absolute wrecking ball and a menace. And Courtney, yeah, Courtney had a great turnover, maybe two of them. He got penalised early on for going too long or not supporting his body weight, but other than that, he was excellent. Those three were super. Maro's. I said to JB when we were making a coffee before, Marrow's best game, certainly in an England shirt, in 12 months at least. Mm, I think you're probably right Probably right on, on that. I think the England performance, there's a lot... You've just got to treat it as exactly what it was. I thought the tactics, although looked odd pre-game, worked out brilliantly. I mean, you can't argue with that. They've conceded no points and they've won you know, hand, handsomely. The, the 15-point dang- win. In yeah. a World Cup match, exactly. Mm. It might, do you think it's a record for a win with no tries? Could be. There's could probably well be, a lot. The, isn't there like '99 World Cup where the Springboks? Yanni um, de Beer. Yeah, Yanni de Beer. I assume someone must have scored a try, but probably. But there's, uh, isn't that the record for drop goals in a five, tournament? Was it? It six, might be five or six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, there's certain things which are just undoubtedly true. Like, I thought they got their strategy right, as in their tactics right. Box kicking was great. I had to educate someone in Talk H about box kicking. They said, oh, it's so boring. And then we watched the reception of the box kicks. Like, that's not boring. You know, when someone goes up, falls to the ground and eats grass, why is that boring? That's exactly what we want to see. And it, if it is boring, so do you know how many times England kicked the ball last, no idea. last night? On a hazard, a guess? 30? So it's 43. Okay. Um, in other games this weekend, so Australia playing a comparatively weaker team in Georgia. Yep. Although we'll come on to that game because I thought Georgia, oh, a couple of chances if they'd have scored them, it would have been much more interesting. But Australia in that game, they scored, they kicked 40 times with ball in hand. Uh, England, 43. France, New Zealand, 
was 39 from New Zealand and 44 from right. France. So England were actually one one fewer than France and ab- about the same as France, New Zealand and Australia comparatively. So it's if if you like we are not doing this. We are not criticizing England for kicking, but if you were, you would also have to criticise Australia, France and New Zealand at the I same think, time. And I don't know what I'm, quite what I'm about to say here or how I should <laughs> express it. Standard. But I wouldn't be surprised if we watched them both. There'd be something about the kicking that we'd find boring for an observer. And I don't know what that is. Maybe it's the fact that the kicks go to touch more. Or the fact that so if a kick goes to touch, it's a kick, but then you've got to wait fifteen well, seconds to start, set up. So so let me give you another stat to, yeah, okay. to align to this. So in the England Argentina game, there was two hundred and forty one sorry, two hundred five hundred and forty one meters run with ball in hand. Uh which is is not a huge amount, but it's not terrible. In the Australia Georgia game, there was twelve hundred and sixty so, oh. so two and a half times, and in the France New Zealand game, there was one thousand and eighty. Yeah, so twice as much. So the the difference is there's a lot of kicking in those three games, a, a comparable amount of kicking in those three games, um, but the running with ball in hand in the other two games was significantly higher. And that that's that was I think a clear tactic from England. They were they were kicking to shut things down not kicking to then create opportunities to run. Yeah, I agree. Also, if you're thinking about the kicks, how many marks were there? And then the mark takes 10 seconds off. And then so, George Ford used that yeah. expertly to it's slow exactly the game. exactly what you want to see. It's exactly what you want to see. If you're an England fan, I mean, George Ford was brilliant. George Ford was brilliant. Um, you know, could he have faced better, better opposition? Potentially. But what he actually did with those drop goals is sort of opposition neutral. Mm-hmm. Those drop goals were absolutely incredible. The, the, the first two as well. The third one was lovely because he's it's just a little dink when they're building to try and score a try. Yeah. And the first two from 50 yards out, which you saw mm. Santiago Carreras have a shot from about that distance. Mm. And it it was closer to the corner flag than it was to the, <laughs> to the sticks. I, I felt it was a little bit like um, George Ford saying, OK, I've identified the problem and the problem is you're all rubbish. So I'll, ta- <laughs> I'll take it from here. <laughs> But there's also downsides, and I think England needs to be realistic about these downsides. The The collisions were not good enough. Like, not by a million miles were they good enough. So if Argentina had got their act together on a different day, the line breaks that Argentina were inflicting on England could have been massive. And because they weren't, because they didn't score early, England were never in a position where, where they had to chase the game. If they had to chase the game, I'm not sure they could have pulled off what, what they did, because you've got to play differently. That'd be the first one. I'm going to stick up for their defence here, which is uh, which is another big positive. Yeah, we still haven't scored tr- tries, so I'm not getting ahead of myself. And England have got a lot of improvement to make, and I still think there's a huge the ceiling between pools A and B and pools C and D is is, is still a big gap. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, even when Argentina made dents, England never lost their shape in defence, and you, and you did get a perspective of that when when you were in. I was quite high up in the in the stadium looking down and you saw the whole pitch and that was the that was the one thing that struck me was that they never got folded in defence and they always managed to keep their shape so there's obviously some work that's been going on and it was a big improvement now I thought I'd, I'd say besides the last five minutes or so which yeah. you can kind of forgive when, when you've played with 14 men for so long yeah. uh, you know, all the stopping and starting if you've only got 14 men you want to be 
exerting yourself in small violent bursts. That's yeah. what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Now. So, yeah, your other point. Uh, England, the try. Yeah, Tim just point, pointed out like, lack of tries. Lack of attacking intent was bad. Well, and, and on, on that, yeah, it, it was a clear tactic. Um, but on that, they did get a couple of turnover balls where they tried to go wide. And, and twice, screwed it up. basically, just end up, everyone drifted mm. and ended up just passing the ball straight into touch, which made them... Well, it was bad passes as well. Joe Marchant's pass to yes, Elliot Daly, Daly. Was terrible. Yeah, and there was one in the second half to... I think it was Mitchell to Johnny May. But that the bad pass from Marchant didn't... That made an already bad situation worse because everyone up to that Marchant pass had just drifted. So mm. it just allowed... They had numbers... They just allowed the Argentine defence. Even if, even if they'd have only had two defenders, they could just drift with the ball. Yeah, the, the set piece was interesting. So uh, the line, Argent, Argentina's lineup was woeful. I, and I'm sort of erring and ignoring. Was that England? Was that Argentina? The overthrows were Argentina. Yeah, but some of the disruption. I think Mario might have disrupted one. Big courts. Big courts got up there a couple of times. But you know, I just. I find that unacceptable for an international team not to win the majority of their ball. I mean, if someone's stealing it in front of you, yeah, that's also unacceptable because you need to do something else. But it just wasn't good enough. And well, I- yeah, on, on that. So in France, New Zealand, the line-out success of both teams was 90%. Yeah. I, France, 92. New Zealand, 90. But they both missed one line-out. Uh, England's was 100% success yeah. in the line-out. Argentina's was 73. Just not good enough. That is not good enough. Yeah, and all they needed really was one score early doors, and this, the complexion of this whole game changes. But they didn't get it, and that's the important thing to remember. They didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think England should be happy with this win because I thought it was a complete coin toss if they'd if, if they'd win it. I think if they played I, again, it'd be a coin toss again. I, yeah, I thought I had Argentina as favourites. I said it last week. Yeah. In, in my head, they were favourites going into this, and to play for seventy-seven minutes a man down, or rather sixty-seven minutes because of the. Uh, Carreras yellow. I I thought that's um, this is the kind of result and performance that England needed to to just turn the tide on public perception, probably their own perception of their ability. So, I'm as an English English fan, I am pleased to see that. And it's now how they build through the next few games um, leading up to the final game. But you'd you'd say unless something goes disastrously wrong, England will be in a quarter final. Yes, I agree. I completely Popping agree. Popping the ball in the quarterfinal. So, say again, sorry? Popping the ball as well. Hopefully, yes. Uh, could they lose to Samoa or Japan? It's not Think- impossible, but you'd hope not. No. Yeah. So, Can we just, just briefly, I don't want to labour it, but just it, it, I, I spoke to a lot of England fans. Well, and- Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Fans of Scotland and Australians, people that were in Marseille, I spoke to a lot of them, I just canvassed opinion on the red card. And I, I, I think this is something we've talked about. I think, JB, you might have even mentioned it a, a week or two ago. Well, one of you did anyway. Um, the 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 difference in the assessment of like rugby knows is like us who watch every minute, and people the vast majority of people that will have been tuning in to watch that game last night so having not watched the this. game. So glad you said this. Go on. The the, the, the it, fine. We go. Oh, the tackle framework. Yes, World Rugby's framework. That's red card. Blah blah blah. But it's quite interesting how big a departure that is from where the average fans head is because people as a lot of people cannot get their head around how that is a red card particularly how because it's a framework thing and this flow chart we've got that tom curry one was a red card and santi carreras wasn't and it just that's the bit that's pickling people's head they're like what i don't i don't understand and surely accidents are allowed to happen is the general sentence yes 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 i'm so glad you said this because i've got a couple of uh, text messages here Mm. this is direct to me not including all the group ones, so two, two stood out for me. And the thing is about these text messages is they're coming from lads that previously absolutely loved rugby. Played rugby, Played watched rugby, it. Watched, yeah, uh, I'd cast one of these. Both these guys are absolute nauseas when it comes to rugby. Both of them have drifted away from the game. So one was just, I, I've not heard from um, my friend Lawrence for a, a little while. I saw him when Coldy got, uh, got, 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 got promoted. But simply this, rugby can surely not sustain this level of nonsense around the head area. Correct. Absolutely correct. Um, another one. Just simply, the game's gone. And they're right. You know, they're absolutely right. Because it is a high-impact, high-contact game. These laws have been changed by people who, yes, they'll, this is what they'll do. They'll say that the laws have been changed by, um, by World Rugby, but then they'll say, and it's also been agreed by all of these people who've done really great things in, in the game. I think Richie McCaw was on the, some panel... There's a couple of South African legends on the panel. Um, there'll be coaches, there'll be, there'll be players. Like, there'll be, yeah. I don't give a shit. Like, your job is to play and coach. Right? And just appropriating... The, the reason that they use these names is so they can browbeat people that think something differently and go, well, you don't think you know more than Richie McCaw, do you? Actually, yes, I do. I actually <laughs> think that I know more. Because when you're getting those texts, it's obvious. If you bothered just listening to people that watched the game and played it across all levels, not just the super elite guys, with a very precise mandate of what they have to conclude, you go, well, this is nonsense. Like, we're trying to play a contact sport here. You're, the, the absolute perverseness of this, we must change behaviours, or well, you, it is made up by people that don't have a clue about the game and do not have its best interest in heart. Who are they trying to appeal to? Rugby appeals to people that, you, that, that, that used to play it and people that appreciate watching men smash into each other. If you don't dilute that with your stupid nonsense about changing behaviour, you're going to have exactly what you've got now. People that don't understand the game and switch off. There's potentially one middle ground we could find because this is the one thing I think. It's like I was kind of resigned to, OK, fine, that's a red card. 
but the the thing that I and I'm, I have mentioned this before, so I won't I won't go on about it. But the thing that really bothers me about this is is not it's less so actually that it's a red card. Now I'm kind of resigned to it a little bit. And I, I saw Kieran Brooks outside the stadium and chatted to him as well. And um, he's playing up the road in Toulon. He, he turned up in an old school vintage BT Cellnet England shirt. Oh, which awesome! Was really yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was great. So I chatted to him, and his his perspective was kind of like just where it is now isn't it it's just the way it goes if, if you make contact so he was he sounded kind of like that just accept that's how it is and i'm kind of resigned but what i was going to say is missing games like the punishment was enough on the night and i just don't think that two three four week suspensions is going to actually solve any problem it's going to it's not going to change behavior no. it's just going to mean that a player's a player misses out on a world cup final the pinnacle of their very career because of one of these incidental accidents, which Tom Curry had some control over, but sometimes things are going to happen that they don't have control yeah, over, I, and that's the bit you dislike. I'm, I sort of flex on this. Some people, sometimes people can persuade me they do have control. Other times, I don't know. I mean, surely the ultimate incentive not to hit someone in the head with your own head, like it's just <laughs> it's like, the damage to your own head. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if Tom Curry designed that hit, he wouldn't choose that one. So it can't be on purpose. Yeah, like, if he. If he chose what he wanted to do in the perfect world, it would not be that hit. So let's pretend that this fucking nonsense about changing behaviour is a real thing. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Tom Curry is a top-level professional, a top-level athlete with incredible body control. He didn't do that because he's reckless or violent or doesn't care about um, you know, uh, head, head injuries. He just did that because it's a rugby incident. And we need to start accepting rugby incidents um, happen, get rid of all of the people who are lobbying rugby from a third-party lobbyist sort of um, pressure group stance hey, yeah, and just yeah, carry on with it. Stable doors, horse bolted, mate. It, 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 this, this is a, it's a futile thing to argue for. Well, well I guess this is the point. Right? I'm taking a more pragmatic approach. It's like, can we not have players missing games for stuff like this? It's like, fine, they go off in the game, but no. just, can, we, can we not have I'll, players... I'll like, tell you, can we not have it so Tom Curry doesn't play again in the pool stages? Yeah, I'll tell you why it won't work. Because there is no such thing as middle ground, unfortunately. I wish there was, but there's not. So what you said about people being resigned, I mean, that is so often the case. And you see it across all sorts of stuff in rugby, whether it be extra brand being changed or, you know, it's the tackle height. People give up. They get fatigued. And like, and like you're saying now, it's like, oh, well, I'm resigned to it. Kieran Brooks always resigned to it. Like, that's why there needs to be a voice that constantly and forcefully argues this is the way forward. Because when people realise that someone is fighting this case and it's not futile then things will change. Otherwise, we just carry on drifting the way that World Rugby go. The most worrying thing for me this week, by far, is I've, I'm in like three or four rugby groups. One of the groups, which is actually set up for the purpose of communicating about rugby, two of the guys who played for long, the longest time didn't even know the World Cup was starting this week. <laughs> they didn't know the World Cup was starting this week. I went to the club last night, uh, Talk H, and if this was England football playing, it would have been bouncing. It was half empty. I thought, like, four years ago, this would have been rammed. Yeah. This would have been rammed, and it just wasn't. It's worrying. It's really worrying. And World Rugby have to take all the blame for this. And what they'll say is they just want to attract new people to the game. Where are the new people? Where are all the people that are going to flood to the game because the game is now safer? Or because head injuries are... Where were the mothers? Where are all the mothers, Tim? I thought mothers would be flooding through the door to buy pints and watch rugby at the club. They weren't there. <laughs> So I, I've got two um, additional frustrations about this, um, about the the Elliot Daly red card. Elliot Daly, Tom Curry red card. Um, I was just looking at a picture of Elliot Daly. Um, my two frustrations are this. I think 
had the high tackle framework head contact process actually been followed in the bunker, which is the purpose of the bunker to allow them the time? They've got ten minutes to yeah. apply the process. I think that this should be a, a yellow card. It should be mitigated down, and I think that will probably be what happens in the week, unless World Rugby seek to over um, appeal and appeal because I think there will be an England appeal on this. And, and the reason for this, I've got it in front of me here. Question number one, has head contact occurred? Yes. Question two, was there foul play? Yes. Question three, what was the degree of danger? High. Red card. Question four, is there any mitigation of which the second point is sudden and significant drop or movement? The player, the uh, Malia, in the period between catching the ball and landing and getting hit, he is, I don't know, four feet off the ground and he is dropping out of the air. So his movement is both sudden and significant. Yes. Like, I can't see how that doesn't apply unless you're saying, well, Tom Curry should predict the precise location of his head and mitigate from that point. Get Owen Farrell's legal, so legal team on the case. I, I actually think so that so that is frustration number one. I think I think the yellow card probably would have been fair for that, um, given that mitigation. Here is the new, yeah. Go on, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and point number two is one that I've mentioned this so many times in the past, probably not for quite a while, but it, it drives me wild. The the talk in comms on it by people who are supposed to be involved in the game. Supposed, so to, much, supposed to is a great way to put it. Yeah, supposed to be. I, uh, God. Allegedly. Sir, Sir Clive as, as one person um, who 20 years ago was heavily involved in the game. Now, I'm not I'm not sure if he ever watches any rugby these days, apart from when he gets paid thousands and thousands of pounds. Well, he didn't but, He didn't know who Worcester were. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, the, the talk around, well, there's no malice, there's no intent. And it's like, I, it drives me absolutely wild because it's, it is so irrelevant to the process. You well, have to. You would forgive him, wouldn't you, if you if he said something like, "I know the pro yeah, look by the process red card, but there's no malice, there's no intent. This would not be red card under my schemes. I think it's ridiculous." You know, if you put World Rugby on blast, um, you know, using those terms, they'd be very powerful because it's coming from a World Cup winning coach. But because he clearly doesn't know what he's talking about, it's worthless. Yeah, it's total. That's not just. I'm not just directing that point at Sir Clive. It's kind of everyone, anyone who mentions malice or intent on a decision like that, it's just it's just hot air. Yeah. Like it, it's irrelevant. Well, the other the other side of that coin is the common the comms people that say things like, "Well, it is for their safety now." Well, don't play the game. <laughs> like, the, the, like Tim's point, the resignation, like the, you know, the centrist dad approach to um to rugby. Uh, I would have a different process, and I think the process would cover most most penalties, actually, rather than just high high tackles. Uh, but we'll do it for the high tackle. So, first of all, has contact occurred with the head? Yes. Next decision point. Was this a rugby incident? This is completely <laughs> at the discretion of the referee at the time. If the answer is yes, go sideways, maximum penalty, maximum sanction, penalty. So that that is kind of question two, because question two is, was there any foul play? That's Which, different. Well, but that is a related to... Because if it is just... Like, if two players are just running along and they happen to bump heads, that's a that, that's an obvious example of a 
They're not looking where they're going. They, they bump shoulders. There is some head-to-head contact. That is just an example of a rugby yes, incident. Yes, it is. But I think by precedent, it has been interpreted as foul play is as... Well, almost by definition, as head contact occurred, almost does seem like foul play now. So I think it's been redefined by its existing use. Yeah, I think... I've seen it, and I can't think of any good incidents. I've seen it more used in line with what you're just trying to point. But yeah, it's it's a good it's a good point. We should probably have a better framework of that, a better explanation of what was was there foul play. Yeah, because oh, it, it's yeah. If you frame it as was it a rugby incident, that is probably a better way of framing the same question. Yeah. So if it's a rugby incident, and what classifies as a rugby incident, it means something that occurred which was not intentional. Uh, so, you know, I have no time for punching or stamping or actual foul play or, you know, um, if you're um, if it's shoulder to head without a wrap, it, what it can't be, right, it can't be, that is foul play because they should have worked on tackle technique three weeks ago to hit, you know, two foot lower. That can't be it. It can't be that. No, not uh, not having it in any way. Would the, uh, Another way to look at it is, would the player have decided to use that technique if he had... Uh, complete control over, over, over everything. No, he wouldn't. Because we know what players... Uh, yeah. you've, you've got to give the players some sort of benefit of the doubt that they're not just out there to cause grievous bodily harm to each other. They're not just lumps of meat just floating around in the ether that occasionally come into contact. <laughs> they're, they have some control. So uh, There we go. Right. But it is trashing the game. Anyway, I mean, Tim, Tim, from your, from your um, time in the stadium yesterday, live, our man on the ground, is there any other observations on this game? Uh, just a couple of things from outside of the stadium Arge- and, and inside. Argentinian fans are absolutely wild. I've never been to a game that Argentina have played in. Their fans are amazing. They turn up really early to the ground. They're so loud. They're bouncing around. Um, they're so much fun. And th- th- I spoke to one guy who travelled 28 hours and spent a month's salary to get here. And what he was served up was just... Yeah, I just felt sorry for those th- those fans, to be honest, because they, they were amazing. Um and there were some issues with people getting into the ground. Yeah. Bit of, uh, there, there was, I remember it was about half an hour before kickoff and I was just looking out the window um, out onto the street on the top level uh, where I was at. And <laughs> it was like, those guys, they are not getting in. It was, the number of people arriving and adding to the crowd was way more than the people that were actually getting through That's all the shame. security checks. That's there were shame. people that missed the first 15, 20 minutes of that match. So... Yeah, the Times covered this, and they had the subheading, uh, thousands of people missed the first 10 minutes, including players' families. And I, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that's more or less important. I don't know why that needs to be... Like, am I meant to be more outraged or less outraged that, you know, some, some poor sap from some town somewhere has spent God knows how much money to get here and can't get in, compared to the players' parents have probably seen them play multiple times and are on, on a, comps. On a freebie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, the players' and, and, family can't get in. Shut up. And it's their son. They should be there two hours before. Exactly. What They, they were bad parents. They can't get in. Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, but so it's, that, it, um, it is what, a fiasco. What else would I say? Um, I, I, was, I was sat next to in the stadium. I don't know if you've mentioned this already, but Charlie Morgan, oh, who my I know word. you love. Yeah, we are big, big Charlie Morgan fans. How was Morgs? He was he was on good form, and um, yeah, I, I sort of have stolen a few opinions that he had that I've just now passed off as my own because he's just a great rugby mind. It's good to see it yeah. working that way around for once. Yes, thank God, thank God, <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> 
Well, and then second, and then and then second and third hand, it will get passed on. You'll you'll start hearing it pop up in other places. Exactly. Um, <laughs> after after I've used Charlie Morgan stuff, you'll then hear you'll hear all the usual suspects palming that off as their own. So it it all goes back to Charlie Morgan. Exactly. Hey, if you want to, if you want your views to come up in the mainstream press, send us an email of what you want us to say, and then you can read your own views later on in the week. <laughs> uh, lads, but, but the stadium was pumping out some sound. It's now gone quiet. I've got to record some stuff, so I'm going to have to go while there's a window where it's quiet enough to do it. Fantastic. But before you go, Tim, and I know you just want to get off, as you very, very curtly said to me yesterday, what's on your agenda today? Because I, I want to know what you're doing. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm sitting in this sweat box recording some uh, some radio stuff. I've got a call into TalkSport in a little bit. And then I'm going to go for... I haven't even had breakfast today. Then I'm going to go for a coffee and some food. Uh, I'm right next to the stadium, so I'll go to somewhere around the corner and then I'll come back to watch um, to watch the first game. What's the first game today? I don't know, but Wales are at 5, 3.55. No, Wales, Wales, Fiji's the 9pm. I'm, oh, I'm you're sorry. Scotland. Be Scotland at five forty-five. What's the J- first game? J- Japan versus Chile. That's it. Uh, Japan, Chile. Which... I watched that in the media room in the stadium, which has got air conditioning, and I can plug all my stuff in again and get it charged up. All right, and then I'll and then I'll be uh, um, watching South Africa, Scotland, and so one of your yeah, vi- that, that, that's the game I'm most excited about. That's going to be incredible. Like, so one of your videos this week, Tim. You have to do it in the style of Graham Hunter uh, with an espresso and a French paper out. Out in front of you. You mean it. James Richardson? Sorry, James Richardson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes, because after Della Sport. Yes, I'll get I'll get the French newspaper and take people through the back pages. Yes, go on, do it, do it, do no, it. Do I it. won't know what's going on. I just make it up. You can tell so much from the pictures. I I wrote I read a story in Spain about a massive drugs haul just 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 by the pictures, and you <laughs> you, know, you pick up like X amount of kilograms. Well, that must be the drugs because it wasn't the weight of the police officer. <laughs> I did like I saw the headline in L'Equipe uh, after. France's huge victory over New Zealand, and it was it's basically fr- it's French fair, so a, a play on f- French flair, but fair being iron, so French ah. French iron, which I thought was very very good. That is good. How do you find that? Uh, I just saw it on Twitter. Some, someone had uh, posted it. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Very good. Very good. Well, you get off, mate, and we'll catch you tomorrow uh, morning. I'll speak to you well, probably tomorrow or sometime. Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow evening maybe. Yeah, that sounds good. Right, well, that's Tim Cocker departed with. Um, I guess we should talk a little bit about... We did not do Australia-Georgia, or have we? We we, I mentioned it a tiny, tiny bit, um, both in the stats and Georgia being slightly disappointed with themselves. But So I watched most of this game. Australia did some nice things. Um, They scored a few nice tries. Ben Donaldson looked good. Mark, no... (laughs) Mocky Mark. Nawanga Nitawase. Yep. Um looked very good. A couple of nice offloads, a couple of big strong carries. And Australian scrum looking good as well. Georgia though, there's a couple of mistakes, particularly in the second half, when Nineashvili breaks down through the middle and the uh Mr. T, the winger the right winger is screaming down the right wing and if he if Nenash Philly goes right and finds the past, Tabuzatze goes in in the corner. Instead, he offloads it to Taniela Tupo, who passes it to um, Ben Donaldson. And, ben Don- and it was a 14-point swing at a time where 
Georgia were maybe 12 points behind. <sighs> and if that goes in, and then slightly later than that, Georgia breaking down the left wing and blew a chance. So those two, those two scores, if one doesn't go a 14-point swing to Australia and Georgia get the second one, Australia will be under a lot, lot more pressure. Now, obviously, it didn't go that way and it's a handy 20-point win for Australia. But Georgia will be disappointed with that. And mm. I think Georgia have got a shot at scalping either Wales or Fiji. And I kind of hope the, the little round robin between those four teams... I think Australia will beat everyone. But then Georgia, Wales and Fiji, I could see one win for each of those teams and it comes down to points difference and bonus points for who goes through behind Australia we're going to find out what Wales are all about today can't wait for that game it'll be good isn't it yeah I'm minding Scotland Scotland South Africa is going to be a belter I've I've got this feeling about Scotland I have as well I don't know what it is I've completely got the same feeling I don't know what it is I hope they save it for Ireland rather than South Africa (laughs) Um, I quite like them to do I I just I like this Scotland team there's, there's quite a lot there's quite a lot to like and also quite a lot not to like, but I, I just love Finn Russell and I love some of I, the boys they've got there. You can't look at Scotland like a conventional rugby team. Okay, in the same way, you can't look at the Taliban as a conventional army. <laughs> right? They They're gonna fight this thing very, very differently. <laughs> it's a hell of an analogy. Yeah. <laughs> rugby Taliban, Scotland. They are they're going to be they are going to be different, but they've got a lot of good pieces as well. They've got a solid pack. They've got some really good running threats in the pack and across the backline. Well, they're just unusual. They've got unusual talent. They've got unmatchable unusual talent. Whether that be Duan, I mean, you could match, you could match Duan, but it'd be one hell of a government-sponsored project to do so. <laughs> I mean, who in besides Duan, who is the next? Big strong wing, maybe James Lowe, maybe Pinot. I mean, he's in a different but league. That, yeah. I mean, he's different. I mean, he's not better than those boys. And in the way, same way, Finn Russell is not the best best fly half in the world. Yeah, but he's different, and he, that's the thing, isn't it? It's different. Like eight years ago in 2015, you'd say Julian Svea. Julian Svea was probably the closest. Throughout. Yeah, I can't think of maybe one of the Fijian boys, but even not even their wingers. You'd be more talking like. Tui Silva or Tui Silva was the one I was thinking or of. Not the same thing. Naya Salivu. Radranda, to be fair, the way he plays centre would be exactly the same way that... Duan would play centre. Duan would play centre. Yeah. Like, and also the same way that most number eights would play centre. Yeah, Gregory Aldridge. Yeah, he'd play centre in the same way as them. Uh, so, yeah, that's that, that'd be that. Uh, they're just unusual. Uh, that's the best thing that I can say about them. I'm, Everything about them is unusual. So I'm doing a Super Brew League and I've currently got South Africa to win, but I'm, the closer it gets to kick off... I'm uh, I'm edging towards a Scotland win. I'm telling you, it's Ireland that are going to come and struck. Because I think South Africa have got the overall talent to overcome this and just, just, you know, just sheer massiveness, sheer brute force and individual talent in excess of what Ireland have. Ireland rely on organisation, togetherness, teamwork, all really good things, but all things that can come really unstuck when you get punched in the mouth a few times by Finn Russell. But... Um, Ireland also do have a secretly, and I've said, made this point for a while, a secretly enormous team. Oh, yeah. That, that back row of Tyburn, Peter Romani and Caelan Torres is absolutely massive. It's not South Africa big, though, is it? I think, I don't think it's far off that South Africa back row. 
So it's, uh, I don't know. So South Africa are big, but the other thing they have in their favour is it, extreme violence. It, I don't mean if, if, if it was way. if it was that three that island three versus Peter Steftatoy, Khaleesi, and Jasper Visa. Then, yeah, fair. Then the, the island back three is bigger than. But you take out Jasper Visa and place him with Dwayne Vermaelen. Uh, but then Khaleesi's the light, the smallest one of the whole six. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But uh, hang on, Quagga, Quagga Smith comes in. He's smaller again. He's smaller again. But then he is supremely violent. Yeah, like supreme. He- and and his work at, around the breakdown is amazing. Yeah, uh, in the same way that um, Hamish Watson is supremely violent. Yeah, you know you want that kind of, that unhingedness about the way that you play. <laughs> it's hard to when you play with a guy like this. So we've got a guy or did have a guy at Talk H who plays. I, I just can't describe the amount of. Force that they generate. Someone from last night, Ben Earl. Ben Earl. Ben Earl is not a particularly big bloke. No, he's not. But he throws his weight around. He's so explosive with it. I wish, and that's kind of why I wish we could have seen Ben Curry for a little longer because he is supremely physical. Tom Curry. But same, same. Sorry, same. <laughs> a Curry. A generic Curry. Yeah. One Mrs. Of them. Curry, Mr. Curry. Mr. and Mrs. Curry don't even know which one's which anyway. Yeah, so it doesn't exactly. matter. And they're both supremely violent too. Um, the final game that we've not really touched on, which we don't really need to touch on. Is Ireland hammered Romania? Yeah, I don't uh, have anything to say about this. 80 points. I only watched a little bit of this. I, I happened to watch the first five minutes where Romania went uh, five points up, which I thought, come on. Here we go. So five points after three minutes. I can do the maths. This is going to be over 100 points to nil to Romania. Imagine. <laughs> Sadly, it didn't quite work out. Did like they that. not have our friend uh, Vlad Ianucci I- um, refereeing the game? <laughs> that would have helped, wouldn't they, it, boys? They didn't have a Romanian referee. Oh, uh, what a shame. Which is a pity, because that might have levelled things up a bit. Yeah, last thing you want to see, if you're in that group with Romania, is a Romanian referee. <laughs> if Romania even have a rem- remote chance of qualifying and they roll out a re- Romanian referee, all bets are off. There we go. So we're going to enjoy the rugby today. Three games today. Um, watch out for watch out for a couple of upsets. Watch out for Chile doing a lot better than people think. Watch out for actually f- um, three upsets. Watch out for Scotland and watch out for Fiji, which, Scot- which to us is not wouldn't really be an upset, but to some people might be. And then we will record again tomorrow evening or morning or evening. Well, I, I'm kind of working tomorrow morning. So this comes out today. This comes out today, Sunday. So yes. What do people have to listen to on Friday? On Monday, on Monday morning? morning, they'll have this. Fine. Okay, then, we're done. Beautiful. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust Oleum's new Custom Spray 5 in 1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.